Shining City Audio, a John Meacham and C-13 original studio. On September 19, 1796, George Washington's Farewell Address is published. I'm John Meacham, and this is Reflections of History. He had nearly retired four years earlier, after a single term. Stoic in affect, George Washington was, naturally, a human being, and he was harassed by the demands of the presidency and by the attendant constant criticism. In 1792, then, James Madison, the leader of the House of Representatives and a key figure in Washington's orbit, had, at the president's request, drafted a farewell address. But Washington had been persuaded to serve a second term, giving the toddler republic four additional years to steady itself. Now, in 1796, it was time to go. As my friend, the historian and commentator John Avalon observed in his wonderful book about the farewell address, quote, once celebrated as civic scripture, more widely reprinted than the Declaration of Independence, George Washington's farewell address is now almost forgotten. Our first founding father intended it to be his last political will and testament, the sum of his hard-won wisdom from a half-century of public service in war and peace. So wrote John Avalon. And here are excerpts from the farewell address itself, first published in Philadelphia on this date in 1796. In looking forward to the moment which is intended to terminate the career of my public life, my feelings do not permit me to suspend the deep acknowledgement of that debt of gratitude which I owe to my beloved country for the many honors it has conferred upon me. In contemplating the causes which may disturb our union, it occurs as matter of serious concern that any ground should have been furnished for characterizing parties by geographical discriminations, northern and southern, Atlantic and western. Whence designing men may endeavor to excite a belief that there is a real difference of local interests and views. I have already intimated to you the danger of parties in the state with particular reference to the founding of them on geographical discriminations. Let me now take a more comprehensive view and warn you in the most solemn manner against the baneful effects of the spirit of party generally. This spirit, unfortunately, is inseparable from our nature, having its root in the strongest passions of the human mind. It exists under different shapes in all governments, more or less stifled, controlled, or repressed. But in those of the popular form, it is seen in its greatest rankness and is truly their worst enemy. The alternate domination of one faction over another, sharpened by the spirit of revenge, natural to party dissension, which in different ages and countries has perpetrated the most horrid enormities, is itself a frightful despotism. But this leads at length to a more formal and permanent despotism. The disorders and miseries which result gradually incline the minds of men to seek security and repose in the absolute power of an individual. And sooner or later, the chief of some prevailing faction more able or more fortunate than his competitors, turns this disposition to the purposes of his own elevation on the ruins 
of public liberty. Of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. In vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism, who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness, these firmest props of the duties of men and citizens. The mere politician, equally with the pious man, ought to respect and to cherish them. A volume could not trace all their connections with private and public felicity. Let it simply be asked, where is the security for property, for reputation, for life? If the sense of religious obligation desert the oaths which are the instruments of investigation in courts of justice, and let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. Whatever may be conceded to the influence of refined education on minds of peculiar structure, reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principle. Promote then as an object of primary importance institutions for the general diffusion of knowledge in proportion as the structure of a government gives force to public opinion. It is essential that public opinion should be enlightened. So wrote George Washington, words of warning that should guide us still. Thank you for listening to Reflections of History, a creation of Shining City Audio, a C-13 Originals and John Meacham Studio. Reflections of History is executive produced by me, John Meacham, and Chris Corcoran, Chief Content Officer and Founding Partner of Cadence 13. Production and editing led by Lloyd Lockridge and Chris Basil. Production assistance and operations by Andy Jaskowitz, Adam Macias, and Kelly Rafferty. Cadence 13 is an Odyssey company. I'm Lauren Sherman, the writer behind Puck's fashion and beauty memo line sheet. And I'd like to welcome you to my new show, Fashion People. On every episode of Fashion People, I'll be talking to insiders about the stuff we're all whispering between the press releases. From M&A rumors to celebrity stylist dish to the future of legacy media. Be sure to follow and listen to Fashion People, a presentation of Odyssey in partnership with Puck. Available on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.